and probably won't be released for 40 or 50 years. So they write stories around these particular topics, exciting stories, with intent to get the young especially to look forward to these particular types of changes. The changes, however, are always for an ulterior purpose. It's for simply more control. Never in the history of a dominant minority ruling over a majority have a, a minority given their power away to anyone else. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in life. never has happened. They always use experts. In the old days, it was high priests and historians. Now it's experts, and they have been running our lives since before most of us were born. I'll be back after these following messages. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Hi, Alan Watt back here with Cutting Through the Matrix. Just going through some of the, the feelings and understandings people come through as they're waking up into this nightmare we call reality. They say we come out of the dream and we wake up in a nightmare when you realize that pretty well everything in your own life and in your parents' life and grandparents was basically rigged. We're living a script all the major events are planned way ahead of time by big armies of think tanks and professionals who work for the dominant minority. In Britain, it was much easier to understand because even though people voted and went through the rigmarole of left-wing and right-wing and all the rest of it, they still referred to a small group they called the, the establishment as being in charge. And this establishment would occasionally show its face with one of their members, like Bertrand Russell on television and various other ones, members of the high aristocracy going back for centuries and centuries who'd accumulated wealth through the various myriad of wars that Britain went through ever since they created the Bank of England, long before the Rothschilds took it over. And um, the establishment have always been in control. They gave democracy, this term democracy, really is a duplicate to people to make them think they had a say in things. In fact, just today while I'm on the topic of democracy, it's voting time coming up in Canada and the provinces, which are just like the U.S. states. And a big pamphlet about, a big glossy pamphlet about a foot and a half long when it's unfurled in both official languages, French and English, at the top is a caption, and it says, Vote, big letters. Uh, don't let others speak for you, which is a, a kind of an oxymoron because the whole point, supposedly, in the scam of voting is that you're voting someone to speak for you. So there you go. It really doesn't mean anything anymore because we're living through an agenda. And we always have been living through an agenda. Writers in the late 1800s talked about the necessity to bring in a global system and how they would do it, starting with basically a world war and how they would need a world war to get 
everyone involved, bring every country to its knees as they get exhausted with resources and, and men, manpower. And they almost succeeded. They did manage to get up the League of Nations, which President Wilson uh, fronted for with Mandel House behind him in league with Lord Earl Grey from Britain. Grey was the boss, really, behind Mandel House. And that's at the same time they brought in the various tax laws to help finance it. was all temporary tax laws, supposedly. Same in Britain. And nothing is temporary once it's on the books, as we know. It's continuing to this day, only we're paying far, far, far more than uh, any of our ancestors could ever have imagined. Well, World War I came and went, and the League of Nations tried to get total power for the world. Big front men like H.G. Wells, the propagandist for this particular organization, wrote about it. And he said in one of his books that, uh, that since the League of Nations was now formed, Bureaucrats, high-level bureaucrats and new governmental departments could bypass the politicians and, and converse basically with their cohorts, their equivalent uh, cohorts uh, or bureau- bureaucrats within the League of Nations, bypassing all politics and, and all democracy. And he thought that was a wonderful thing. He wasn't the only one. Many others wrote about it too at that time. However, the American people were probably the only people who did stand up at that time, and they weren't quite ready to give up what they knew was their national sovereignty to uh, a power they knew would be based over in Europe somewhere. So they had to go back to the drawing board and scheme and plot. And sure enough, over many years, they managed to cordon off Japan. At the same time, the U.S. banks were financing Japan uh, to arm itself to the teeth um, all the scrap metal that they, they brought into Japan, and they had to because Japan didn't have all that raw resource for itself, came from Canada and the U.S. Trains for 15, almost 20 years took all the scrap steel to Japan as it built up a navy and massive armaments, and they got all of its financing from guys like Bernard Baruch from the U.S., one of the biggest bankers. The man that Winston Churchill used to visit before he went to see FDR when he visited the U.S. during the war. And they, then, as they were doing all this, they were cordoning off Japan and, and stopping it having access to other natural resource uh, countries. And they knew they were bringing on a war. So World War II came along. The Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which is, is both one and the same thing, an American branch and the British branch, had their meeting in Australia in about 1937-38 global meeting. They talked about this coming war and uh, how they would have to save the Soviet Union at all costs, which was rather strange because the Soviet Union with communism was supposed to be an arch enemy that destroyed, that promised through all of his writings to destroy all the old systems, including monarchy. But here they are saying that they would defend the Soviet Union at all costs. And in the same book, from the minutes of their meetings, they said that it would be very fortunate if Japan were to attack the United States, and that would bring the U.S. into this coming war, which they knew Britain would, would begin before the U.S. And we think that all happened just spontaneously out of the blue. Nothing happens out of the blue. We are living, as I say, a script, and these guys know what they want, they get the problem going to cause it, 
they know what their reaction will be, and out of it comes their outcome, which we all accept as, as some sort of natural formula of just coincidence. If they want to disarm the public, they'll have the school shootings, they'll have uh, strange lone gunmen that all say, uh, use the same pattern, the same formula, and go berserk and have no memory of it afterwards. Or guys like Timothy McVeigh, who was in special forces in the U.S., who ends up blowing up the Oklahoma City building, supposedly, we're told, uh, with a, a, a basically a, a bomb made out of fertilizer. And it was very strange that all of the bomb-proof pillars in that building that were made to be bomb-proof and take much higher impacts from a higher explosives all came down as well. McVeigh also mentioned he had a chip implant in his butt, and that is not laughable at all because there's been soldiers coming out since the 1960s complaining about the same thing. And sure enough, they have removed some implants from troops from Britain who were being tested unknown to themselves uh, when they were implanted during minor operations while in the military. Simple things like abscesses and so on in the spine, and that they found they were getting little chip implants. So... We are guinea pigs. The whole world, basically, is one vast uh, laboratory, and we're experimented on constantly without our knowledge or consent. And to drill public, all that matters is that he or she can survive, play themselves, enjoy themselves, and get through life, keep their heads down, and, and have it fairly easy. That's what Joe Public wants, and that's what the elite at the top know because they understand human behavior to the maximum. We, we have other people who are waking up in a shock, in a frenzy, when they personally are attacked in some way for the first time, when the authorities move in on their property uh, through a myriad of agencies now. We have, we have so many laws concerning the home all coming from the United Nations. Every law on the planet to do with building codes, septic tanks, guttering, uh, upgrades for electricity, plumbing, everything is coming and has been for years from the United Nations. Governments just sign it into law as soon as they get them, uh, put it on their table. And they, they have said already that they're going to start fining people for even things like a, a hole in a gutter like $1,500 per day until you're either bankrupt or you comply. Well, how many people can possibly jump to it in two or three days and fix all these things that some inspector suddenly decides uh, is not to scratch? That's to get the people out. And lots of folk are getting hit with this kind of thing now. They want the public off the land into the new habitat areas. For the mass man and woman, the habitat areas are the cities for the elite and the bureaucracies and their helpers and teachers, the essential ones that Stalin talked about and Lenin talked about and others talked about, the ones who are, who are necessary for conditioning and enforcing law, they'll all live in their, their prettier places in the country, their prettier communities with more high-tech, more space and all the rest of it. That's already happening if you look at the surveys of who's buying the homes in the country, the big homes, expensive ones, they're mainly people who work for governments in bureaucratic positions or they're, they're a man and wife who are teachers on very high salaries. That's what's been happening for years. 
everyone else is getting pushed off the land. And that, again, was an agenda that even Lenin wrote about over a hundred years ago. Isn't it strange that they could write these things so long ago and we live through it and we're told it's all coincidence, just one coincidence after another. Joe Average, when he, as I say, when he gets hit personally by authorities who come his way, will freak out. He will look for alternate news to try and inform him what really is happening, because what is happening shouldn't be happening, but it is happening. Uh, it shouldn't be happening in his life because he's done nothing wrong. He is good. He's followed the rules. I'll be back after the following messages. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Hi. Alan Watt here with Cutting Through the Matrix. And before I go on to this caller, I just want to finish that people who break out suddenly because of something that's happened in their own life and look into the alternate media suddenly are hit with a barrage of incredible realities from various people in different areas. Again, more experts in different areas that overwhelms them sometimes. And they then freak out even more, trying to inform those around them of what they're just learning. And it sounds bizarre because it's an alien talking to a different species initially. So try and tone down. If you're, if you're just learning, you're just waking up to this new reality that's always been here. Uh, try not to terrify those around you so much with everything you're hearing. And check out your facts before you do as well. Uh, the legitimate ones are easily checked and uh, you'll, you'll be able to put it across to them in a, in a sensible manner that won't isolate you or alienate you so much from those around. You don't need more conflict, especially with those nearest and dearest to you. Now, I think Don from Ohio is on the line. Are you there, Don? Hello, Don? I am here. Yeah. I, yes, um, I didn't want to divert from uh, what you are uh, speaking about, but I did want to give a heads-up to uh, all the listeners out there that on... Uh, Bill Moyer's journal tonight, uh, they're going to do a uh, 9-11 for the record show, which uh, talks about pre-knowledge weeks and months beforehand. It's on PBS um, in the East. It's on at uh, 10 and 10.30. I don't know, you know, rest of the country, but it might be interesting to see and uh, record and stuff like that. And if you don't see it um, on TV tonight, you can also go to uh, Bill Moyer's journal, and uh, they have streaming of it uh, after the show and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know if, if it's going to be you know any good, but you know it's it's a chance maybe. Uh, it'll be some. Well, they have to put something out because it's just too much information out that conflicts with the the first official story. And again, people too remember have no memory. They have very little memory. People are losing their memories and mm -hmm. having for some time and because the day after it happened, uh, the media was a buzz, and they had people on from Britain, from the top intelligence services, talking about uh, the frustration they felt 
at having to warn the U.S. over and over and over that this was going to happen on that date, and it was completely ignored. Uh, all that stuff is forgotten now, and that was general mainstream media at the time. Man, Cheney was snapping his fingers all along. They all are. But all these men are just front men because the, none of these men at the top, what you see to, seem to be at the top, even though they are the, the little coterie that's the New American Century group, none of these guys could make a move without the rest of the big boys in Europe's consent. And it was interesting that Tony Blair was the one-man band that went right into action and backed it all with no hesitation, and most of the parliament was against him on, on what he wanted to do. But, so that tells you there was, there was a higher authority guiding all of this. And the very fact that, you know, even NAFTA, I was just reading the Hudson report there on, on the Summit of the Americas and, and the integration of the Americas, and the, Huns, the Hudson Institute uh, is, is almost thanking 9-11 for helping them rush ahead the integration process. So many, so many things were hanging on something happening that year to get this whole process moving, not just with integration, but with a global uh, ID system, international, with a global so-called anti-terrorist bill that they all signed right away within a week. They all had it on the table before 9-11 happened. 9-11 had to happen to make it all come true. And so this tells you that it isn't just one little group working on their own. If they were working on their own, they wouldn't have had the backing of the other major countries. Right, it's been in the works for a long time. Absolutely. This was a, a must-be, it's called, in the, in the high circles. Something that's planned, it's a must-be. Everything hinged upon it. Arthur C. Clarke, the big high mason with all these little allegories at the top there, in his book 2001, written in the 1960s, uh, he called it 2001 because a major new event was to happen in the world that would change the world. And it's all done in allegorical story form. And then his next novel, 2010, uh, was to be basically a, a new world-type order. Well, by 2010, even the Hudson, Hudson Institute's report here was to be all integrated. So these guys knew 40, 50 years ago what was coming. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, have a good night. You too. And that's the, the key to all of this. We're, we're living through a script. And it's very much like the Matrix movie, uh, where you get an occasional glitch in the program, where the cat walks at the bottom of the stairs, and it goes along twice, a little glitch in the program. Some people are sensitive to the little glitches we get when things don't quite jive the way they're supposed to, and your, your sensory perceptions kick in, and you question yourself, first of all, because everyone around you is, seems to be normal and going along with all the info they're getting, but you're not quite happy with it. And that's because part of your mind is still functioning. Uh, the reality, and this is a sad truth, a hard truth to take, we have all been hit big time heavily with inoculations that were bioengineered in warfare laboratories and given out a long time ago under various guises to help us all. And then afterwards we find the books came out written by those guys who invented these vaccines like Dr. Sock who happened to be one of the top eugenicists in the planet who promoted the vast reduction of population and the sterilization. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Everybody.
and then the rest would follow because they all like to be together. They don't like to be different than, than all the rest of the sheep. And that's why they call the people at the top call the public the sheeple or the sheep. So it's very, very true. Now, I think we also have uh, uh, Todd in California. Are you there, Todd? Uh, hi, yeah. Hi, Alan. How are you How doing? Are you? All right. I just had a couple of quick questions for you. Um, when exactly do you see the uh, Amero uh, being forced on us? And also, uh, what, what do you think the timeline is for uh, when the biochip is going to be uh, enforced and mandatory? Well, the, the biochip has um, already been forced for the last 10 or 12 years in the special forces in, in Europe. I know that. Because I, I've, I've read books written by some of the guys that have just left the special forces, and they admit they had them implanted under the eyebrow, uh, one of their eyebrows. Involuntarily? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so that they're expanding it within other regiments as well and have been for a while. However, the chip um, is to be gradually sold to the public, the idea of that you need it, you need this chip, and how convenient it will be. Uh, you'll right, convenient. Yeah. yeah, that's how they're going to try and sell it initially. And then once maybe 40% have accepted it, they'll simply make it impossible to live without it. You won't get into a store. You walk into a store and alarms will go off. You're not authorized to be there. Uh, the right. same thing with uh, airports. You'll walk right past the queue. They've just announced, for instance, that the next step is to give you, with the ID card and special fingerprinting and all the rest of it, within the active chip on the ID card, you'll be able to walk to the head of the line without any hassle. So they simply make it easier for you to walk into the mousetrap. Uh, and that's yeah. where they hope to eventually sell the chip. I have the chip. Uh, I have the actual chip to be implanted. It's to go in the back of the head. I got it from a guy within the company from Germany that, that's making them. The U.S. has ordered millions of them, and it's ready to go. It's an active chip. Yeah. They've already been ordered and are being shipped over. Yeah. But, wow. Can I ask you a quick question about uh, uh, passports? Yeah. Um, well, I just recently got my U.S. passport, and it does have an RFID chip in it. Um, you, you think it would be safe to say that it's trackable by a GPS satellite? Yes, it is trackable by the satellite. Uh, that's why they've been throwing them up all over cities. People think it's just for the cell phone. No, these guys always have a, a good reason and a real reason. It was to, is to eventually track everyone who must carry that with them at all times. You'll also find once it's issued next year, they'll start arresting people who are in back alleys or somewhere, maybe in the papers, how suspicious characters, the hard time that they had when they were caught, even though they were innocent. And that's when you start terrifying the public to carry it with them at all times. Then they'll go even further. So-and-so didn't have it, was lost or stolen. And bingo, it'll be an Oprah or Dr. Phil. You can get this one implanted. That's a step-by-step -step process we're all being trained. Oh, yeah, step-by-step. Step, they got it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for answering my questions, and thanks for all the work that you, that you do for us. Well, thanks for calling. And I think now we also have Ola in Canada. Hello, Ola. Hello. How are you? Fine. Nice to talk to you again. Yes. Alan, I have a question that's been burning in my mind for, for a while now. Um, the, um, a few months ago, I listened to a fellow um, proclaimed head of Church of Satan. Mm -hmm. And he was very prolific and 
extremely intelligent. And to my surprise, the main theory that the Satanists worship is individualism. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you're always saying, you know, that we should become individuals. Not that I'm t- saying that you're promoting Satanism, but people, I'm, I don't think that people really understand what individualism is like. You're right, yeah. Because most people, I mean, they basically care about themselves or their immediate family. Mm-hmm. And to them, that's being an individual. Yeah. So. I don't know, maybe you could do a whole show on that and explain it to people because so many people listen to you and some Satanists could come up to them and not tell them they're a Satanist and talk about individualism and they'll say, oh, Alan says, you know, to be an individual and so many people respect you and they might get confused. That's right. And the thing too with Satanism, really it's the same old thing from another angle. We're all one and Satan, of course. And you'll see that in possession movies, etc., or the history of people who are possessed, where the demons say, we are one, we are, we are legion, we are many, but we are one. Uh, and so, really, they're, they're, they're taking you back into the same trap of the dialectic, just in another way. And anyway, you have to believe in that one, one particular type of God to believe in a Satan. So you're back into Christianity, Judaism versus uh, Satan, you see. They're bringing you back into the same religion, only from a different angle. Uh, and they've got to realize that most people on the planet uh, don't believe in Judaism or Christianity. That's a hard thing for people in America to accept, but that happens to be the truth. There are many, many other religions with vast followers, and, uh, and, and Satan has many, many meanings, uh, starting from the ancient Aramaic word of shaitan. Uh, it's the same old thing. Um, Satan is an... It really is a composite of everyone together and all the bad side of human nature uh, personified into supposedly a being. Because if, and going back to that same religion of Christianity, if the kingdom of heaven is within you, then so is the kingdom of hell. It's up to you which one you manifest in your immediate vicinity. Mm-hmm. You see? So don't be fooled by these guys. Oh, oh I'm not yeah. fooled by it. I was just yeah. concerned for some other people that might hear somebody talking about individualism, and yeah. you're always saying, being individual, that they might get kind of caught up with this. Yeah, well, they, they have yeah. to. Yeah, they'd have to be, as I say, stuck in a particular mode of, of religion already to even uh, connect that kind of thing at all. Um, yeah, I'll tell you another thing, too. See, governments since the 1800s, have been uh, sending out people as gurus and leaders to mislead the public because they give you pastime religions that, that make, mean, well, they render you harmless, basically. Mm-hmm. You don't participate in life. You don't want to know the negative aspects of what's happening around you. So you're, you're basically neutralized from participating and creating a future. And I've actually met some that are employed by the Canadian government from the federal, the federal government. They're sent out into the public, and uh, they do pull little sort of uh, spells, you might call it, but with the use of drugs. I've seen it done on someone I knew very well, mm. and he ended up uh, in Wiccanism because of that incident, and she worked for the federal government jet-setting across the planet in a particular department. So they do train these people, every government does in the West, to go out into the world and create mystery and confusion, as they call it. And vast amounts of people, unfortunately, generally follow them uh, and they go round in circles until they're a basket case. 
and uh, they mix fact with fiction uh, so that um, it ridicules the fact when, when the fiction is lumped in amongst it. But this does go on, and, uh, you know, you find even the guy who was the head of the Church of Satan before, Anton LaVey, you know, which was the allegorical name he had made up, um, you find that he worked for the U.S. Intelligence Service. Now, what's a guy at the top of the U.S. Intelligence Service running that that system for? Mm. That tells you all you really need to know. Oh. It's a psyops control, it's psychological operations, and believe you me, we live in it. It's all around us. The whole reality we're given, even your regular media, the comedies, the movies you see, is nothing but psyops approved. Yeah. Hmm. Uh-huh. Well, Alan, I'd like to thank you. You're a you're a voice of uh, reason. You, well, you help keep my you help keep ourselves. me sane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much. You take care. Bye bye. Bye now. And that's the, the, the I'm just touching the scratching the, the the top of the mountain here, but but that's how deep it goes. We don't realize that Hollywood itself they had debates back in the 1960s in Britain held in, in London with the Royal Institute of International Affairs and CFR, and they were deciding which country would be given the, the, the right to lead the world, to create a common culture through media and primarily television and music and fiction and, and etc. And uh, after two or three weeks there, it was in the major newspapers, they decided that Hollywood was to take the lead. Now that also meant it had to be integrated with all of the agencies that run psychological operations on the public and they've been ongoing before the 1960s and what kind of dramas and movies and so on they would portray to the public what culture they would give to the public how they would upgrade that culture and alter it for each subsequent generation and that's why people who've been born in the 60s onwards with the drugs with the with the, the pill with the abortion with free love sex have watched families fall apart and the state has taken over the roles that the parents used to have that was intentional it didn't happen by chance it was planned long ago uh, they went through all the things they'd have to do so they could control every single person again individually that's the government to the individual with no little mob or family standing up for them and they, they said they would have to destroy the family and that's what they've been up to all this time Today we're seeing the repercussions. We see uh, the massive divorce rate. We see that couples have a hard time even trying to coexist in even a, a fairly friendly manner because the television, all those things they're addicted to are creating dissatisfaction within them on a daily basis. Again, psychological warfare. And in a world where experts count and you don't, you'll listen to the expert rather than your partner across the room from you. This, again, is intentional. In the ancient times, they talked about the altar. The altar is where you put the man or woman above the rest of the people. They are altered. They're desirable. They're more important. And that's what you see on television. Uh, Television puts people above the ordinary human person. They seem larger than life, more important. And uh, you start to obey them and, and believe they know more than you. You do what they suggest or they tell you, and you're being controlled through television. You're being controlled and downloaded into on a daily basis as you sit and lap it all up. 
and your life will be falling apart because you will start to believe what you hear and see and even the comedies will start to affect you and little little things that you see within that show you'll start to act it out in your own life and your life will fall apart you'll have a hard time getting and holding on to relations and this is all intentional as I say we live in a controlled society you heard about family planning you know what that means now it's global planning. It's society on a global structure where all must be one. That's one system, one value system, and they'll keep changing the values. And as Plato said, the art was so perfected in his day, 2,300 years ago, that the generation living through the changes would be the last ones to notice it. It's so clever, so all-pervasive, because we, as human beings, are perfectly understood they understand us better than we understand ourselves. They understand our motivations, our drives, and what satisfies us, what we're looking for. And they, they, they supply it to you, even though it's all fake and for their own purposes. We live in a dysfunctional society. We also have the devaluation of human life. Uh, now that they're starting on the other end of the spectrum, the elderly, they want to start legalizing euthanasia so that people can walk into a clinic and, and just get zapped, probably disappear in a puff of smoke, nice and clean and hygienic, uh, because they've just lived too long or they're so depressed or, or they're in pain and they're not getting the right medications and all that kind of stuff. We saw that in the movie Soil and Green, written a long time ago. We live in, this is hell, folks. Welcome to hell. We can still make it heaven if enough really want it. Back after these messages. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody I knows. Fight with cutting through the matrix. And I think we have CJ from Missouri on the phone. Are you there? Yes, sir. Hello. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I have a quick question. I fly internationally out of JFK in New York, mm -hmm. and I'm concerned about this chip business yeah. because I'm a strong, born-again, spirit-filled Christian, mm -hmm. and I intend to fly for a lot more years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I really don't want to have one of these things. Yes. Uh, well, I don't know if you heard my last talk last week on the French airlines that are bringing in... Uh, the chipped ID cards with the fingerprints and all your data on an active uh, chip, and they're, they're going to ask uh, certain passengers to try it, but all staff, it was going to be mandatory to, to carry it with them. So it's a step it. towards it, yeah. yeah. But, but not implanted? No, but because that's the format, it, it makes perfect logical sense that they'll make it mandatory for the chip itself, the implant, will be mandatory. Perfect sense, because then they'll say, well, it's so safe because all the staff are cleared. They can't get through without having the chip, and we know who it is. So it makes perfect sense that's who they would use it on first. 
Oh, lovely. Yeah. Uh, do you think there'll be any way to get around that, like, uh, you know, religious discrimination or whatever? No. No. No, this is, a, again, a mandate. It's a mandate. To, uh, in Canada, we had shows in the 90s on Wendy Mesley when she went on about the ID card. This is before 2001, years before it. And she went to the top manufacturers of these particular cards that everyone is to have. They tried to get in, you see, in the 1990s, and very few people heard about it. And uh, she talked to the top man. She says, why do you think people will take this particular card with a microchip? And he said they will be given no option. Really? And, and uh, in other words, if you want to live in this society and exist and earn money, you're going to be forced to do it. It's as simple as that. Well, I do remember at one point we were literally, quote-unquote, forced to have our fingerprints taken by the FBI yeah. um, in order to continue employment. Yes. Yeah. Um, and um, two of our aircraft went down in 9-11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, do they make you take iris scans yet there? No. 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 Because that's to come as well. And, and this card, uh, is the first step towards it. I'll last, the card will be in a couple of years to we're familiar with it, and then they'll come out with the chip. But the card also has uh, your, your DNA coding in it. It has your medical history. It has your voice print embedded in it, too. Wow. Everything about you is in that particular card. Yeah. Wow. And this has been admitted by the manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, there'll be no exceptions for this one. And they'll waive your, any, any exceptions under national security and passenger security. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very interesting. Uh-huh. It's decision time coming up, isn't it? Yes, sir, it absolutely is. Yeah. Well, we've got to be strong now and start vocalizing what we think right now before it gets any worse. We absolutely do. I used to live behind the Iron Curtain uh in the shadow of the Berlin Wall for three years, my ex-husband was in the diplomatic service. We spent a lot of time in East Berlin. Yeah. And um, we saw up close, you know, in your face what a police state looks like. Yeah, well, it's here, it's coming, and um, I'll talk to you again. That's the end of the show. Uh, from Hamish and myself, my dog up here in Ontario, it's good night. And may your God and your gods go with you.